Okay, this morning we are in Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah chapter 3. And let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, we do thank you for this day, for uh, your grace for being with us. Um, We do pray that you'll open our hearts up to understand and, and gain some things from this chapter. There's a lot of names, a lot of geography, things that may not seem applicable in our lives today, but it is background information to help us understand other portions of your word, and we just pray that you'll help us to um, take some of that in and uh, know how to use it, and that your word will indeed uh, be profitable to our souls this morning as, as we know it can be. We ask your blessings on this time now in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, I think to get our uh, bearings, we're going to read a little bit from chapter 4. I'm not going to read all the names in chapter 3. We've skipped that. Uh, Chapter 4, let's read just verses 1 through 6. Marie, you want to start for us? Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Okay, there's some more. Oh, sorry. Okay. Okay. Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what if they are building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt, and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we, re- so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Okay. Uh, we are in the middle of chapter 3, actually. We... Got into it in earnest last week. This is a description of the groups of people and what sections of wall they built, which sounds like, oh boy, this is really interesting. Um, Most of what we've gotten out of those, we we can go back and look at some of the uh, geography uh, of the city of Jerusalem, look at some of the history behind it, and uh, and that has been uh, somewhat interesting. When we started in verse... 1 and verse 2, to understand Jerusalem, it's, it's on a ridge between a couple of streams that come down. Um, to the east is the Kidron Valley, and across up the other side of the valley is the Mount of Olives. So most of the pictures you see of Jerusalem are taken uh, from Mount of Olives looking across the Kidron Valley, and you can see that now it's the Dome of the Rock and, and the wall across the side of the valley. Um, as far as the description of the rebuilding goes, uh, Nehemiah starts at the northeast corner, and that was called the Sheep Gate. I'll try to do this in reverse. Northeast corner. <laughs> sheep Gate, that's, that was because that's where they brought the sheep in to sacrifice every day. And then they worked their way across the north side, so this is across the top of the ridge. 
and there was a couple of towers there because the easiest way to attack the city was to just come down the ridge. So they had extra towers there for defense. And then they turn and they've been going down the western side, um, describing that. And we went from um, all the way down to the southern tip, which is the lowest end of the city, where we had what's called a refuse gate or the dung gate. So they would take all their garbage and throw it out at the very bottom end of the city. So they at least you know, had some idea of good hygiene by putting your dump below your water supply, not upstream of your water supply. So uh, we've gotten that far. Um, one of the things that we, we saw in the history of, of the city um, was that uh, you might have heard of Hezekiah's Tunnel. That was a waterway that he built. There's a spring of Gihon, and we'll look at that again later. That's in the make it <laughs> in the west. Excuse me, eastern side of the Kidron Valley, and he ran a tunnel underneath the ridge that the city sits on, and brought it out to the western side of the city, down near the southern tip, and that was the Pool of Siloam. If you remember when the, the man born blind was told to go wash his eyes, he went to the Pool of Siloam. And, and the reason for that was um, about 721, Assyria dis defeated the northern kingdom and, and destroyed Samaria, where well, there were a lot of refugees who headed south and flooded into Jerusalem. They settled over here on the western side of the city, and that gave them a better water supply. And then his son Manasseh, who in, in many ways was a horrible king, built a wall around it. And so they expanded the city out to the west. So that's some of the history that we've seen. And, and one of the things, too, uh, we ended up at verse 15 last time. Um, we talked about... Uh, the fountain gate. So we're going counter, excuse me, <laughs> counterclockwise around the city. We've gone around the southern tip and heading back up the eastern side, up the Kidron Valley, and there's a fountain gate. We will not see a gate again until verse 26. So we've been going from gate to gate, tower to tower in the description. And now we've got this long stretch where it doesn't mention any gates. And what the historians tell us is that when Nehemiah rebuilt the wall, he moved it from the side of the ravine, the Kidron Valley, moved it up closer to the top of the hill. And so instead of having any existing gates to go to, it goes up, it's described more by corners and ge other geographical <coughs> features and houses and buildings. As we go through this, we'll, we'll see those different descriptions. So this morning we're starting at verse 16. So after him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, official of half the district of Beth-zur, made repairs as far as a point opposite the tombs of David and as far as the artificial pool and the house of the mighty men. So here we have another Nehemiah. It's not the main character. Um, and he's a, an official in the town of Beth-zur. Um, Commentary says it's about 13 miles south of Jerusalem. 
And one commentary said it was a well-fortified city. So, um, but it seems like we've had a lot of small cities and towns within about a 20-mile radius of Jerusalem who have been sending teams in to help rebuild the walls. And here, uh, he uses uh, the tombs of David to locate the ending point of this section of the wall. Um, archaeologists have not found this. They don't know where the tombs of David is, but we do have some um, references. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 2. First Kings chapter 2. This refers to the death of King David. First Kings chapter 2, and someone would like to read verse 10 for us. And David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Okay, he was buried in the city of David. Um, just a little more geography and history. The city of David was located at the lowest end of, lower end of this uh, um, ridge down toward where the, the two valleys came together. This was the original city, I think they called it Je- Jebus, of the Jebusites, that was conquered. So this was the original city of David. It was the lower end. And then as David and Solomon built as, as the kingdom grew, they built more government buildings, and then Solomon built the temple. That was all north of this. This was all added on to the north to get to the entire city. So when you see the phrase City of David, a lot of times that just refers to the oldest part of the city. Okay, going to another uh, illustration about the tombs of David. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 21. This is King Jehoram, who was an evil king. Second Chronicles 21, would someone like to read verse 20? He was 32 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he departed with no one's regret. They buried him in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the they like that on your tombstone. He departed with no one's regret. <laughs> kind of like an unconverted Scrooge. <laughs> um, okay, they did not bury him in what? The tombs of the kings. Yes, the tombs of the kings. So it was not just, so after David, they started burying other kings uh, near where David was buried. And then again in Second Chronicles, let's turn to chapter 32. We have Hezekiah, who was a very good king. Hezekiah 32, and someone like to read verse 33. And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the upper part of the tombs of the sons of David. And all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem did him honor at his death. And Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. Okay, so the, he was honored, so he was buried with the other kings, and it says in the upper section. So, you know, you go to the cemetery and they have different sections you can go to. So apparently it was a fairly large area, I guess, uh, to have different sections. And again, uh, uh, they haven't located this yet, archaeologists. So, uh, 
Um, that would be a major find to find David's tomb, I think. And maybe God knows that we don't need to know where it is because people start paying too much attention to David. Um, He also talks about, uh, in this verse, verse 16, um, talks about the house of the mighty men or the house of heroes. And this, again, might be related to David's mighty men. At the end of 2 Samuel, he lists his mighty men. So this, again, is we're looking at the old oldest part of the city. You know, we, we're working our way up the... Um, western side of the city and uh, we're still up going along the old part of the city, the tombs of David, the house of his mighty men, uh, working our way counterclockwise around the city. Okay, verses 17 and 18. And after him the Levites carried out repairs under Rehum the son of Bani, next to him Hashabiah, the official of half the district of Kailah carried out repairs for his district. After him, their brothers carried out repairs under Bavai, the son of Henadad, official of the other half of the district of Kailah. So we've got some unnamed Levites working on a section of wall here. And then we have two men listed. Um, we've got uh, Hashabiah and Bavai. They're both officials of half of a city or of a district to the city, the same city, um, Kayla. So they're all working together. We don't have anything else to mention about them, but it's interesting as you go through and see how people are described here. We've, got, we've seen before this people who are officials of half a district or half of this or of a city or a whole district. Okay, looking at verses 19 and 20. And next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, the official of Mizpah, repaired another section in front of the ascent of the armory at the angle. After him, uh, Baruch, the son of Zabai, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the doorway of the house of Eliashab, the high priest. So here it talks about uh, making repairs at the ascent of the armory to the angle. And from the angle to the house of Eliashab, who is the high priest. So you talk about an ascent, probably going up a steep hill. Um, and we've got an armory mentioned. So this probably refers to some of the official buildings that David and Solomon built north of the, the old city. Um, and there's some distinct angles here. You know, it talks about an angle or a corner, and we'll see a few of those where the wall came in and apparently someone built off at a different angle so it wasn't a nice, smooth uh, uh, wall. Now, it also men mentions the house of Eliashab, the high priest. So as the description goes north, up the eastern wall, um, we're going to see, it's getting closer to the temple area. We'll see more and more um, mentions of priests and priest houses and, and Levites and things because they're getting closer to the temple. Baruch here, in uh, verse 20, it says he zealously 
repaired another section. This is the only place in this chapter where we have that term, zealously. So he must have really impressed Nehemiah. And so he gets an attaboy in, in God's word for his zealous work. Maybe he was more of a perfectionist. <laughs> um, now he is, in, when we get to chapter 10, he's listed as a priest. <clears throat> so he's working uh, near the house of the high priest. <clears throat> and he is an, a, a priest. Now, it also mentions, it says he repaired another section. And we'll see that term used. There were uh, several groups or people who, who were assigned a section of wall to repair. They finished it, and then they were given a second section to work on. So Baruch was, must have been very zealous in finishing his two sections. Um, okay, going on to verses 21 and 22. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz repaired another section from the doorway of Eliashib's house, even as far as the end of his house. And after him, the priests, the men of the valley, carried out repairs. So Merimoth is another one who's listed as a priest in, in chapter 10. And he also is repairing another section. If you go back to verse 4, he's listed for the first time. So he's given a second section of wall to work on. Now this is from... It says it's from the door of the high priest's house to the end of the house. So this sounds like a fairly short section of wall. We had one section we talked about last week that was um, 500 yards long. So I doubt this was more than about 10 yards. (laughs) But um, he's working right in front of the house of the high priest. So uh, maybe... The high priest wanted a very good, strong wall in front of his house, and he trusted this guy and put him there. Um, now, after him, we have more priests. They're not named, but they're called... They have different descriptions. Uh, men of the valley, men from the surrounding region, or the men of the plain. And these are people... They, they don't live in the city. They live outside the city. Uh, one commentary suggested that when it talks about the plain or the valley, they're talking about the Jordan River Valley and that they may have lived down near Jericho and come from there to, to work on the wall. <clears throat> now, we do have a lot of... <coughs> excuse me. Many of the priests do live in the city and they will live near the wall, as, and we'll see that as we go through. Uh, verse 23. After them, Benjamin... And Hashub carried out repairs in front of their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Maasiah, son of Ananiah, carried out repairs beside his house. Um, Again, three more men repairing the wall by their houses. So, again, the description of the wall is going, it's not following the path of the previous wall. It's going kind of through a residential area. And each one's working in front of his, his own house. Uh, verse 24, and after him, Benui, the son of Henadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah as far as the angle and as far as the corner. <coughs> so <coughs> here we have a Benui. Again, he's repairing another section or a second section. And the commentaries say this Benui, son of 
Henadad is the same as in verse 18 where he's Bavai, the son of Henadad. Because the lettering are very, the letters are very, very similar, and I think it might be a scribal error, but it's actually the same man. So he is repairing a, another section of wall, a second section. And again, he's repairing up to another angle or a corner of some kind in the wall. Going on to verse 25. Palau, the son of Uzai, made repairs in front of the angle and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king, which is by the court of the guard. After him, Padiah, the son of Parosh, made repairs. So here we have some government, governmental buildings mentioned. Um, and again, different versions uh, of translations like We'll call it upper palace near the court of the guard, upper house of the king and the court of the guard. Uh, the commentaries say the guard was for a prison. So you've got a king's palace, a prison, the court of the guard. These were probably all built, again, by David and Solomon north of the old original city. So we're working our way north as we go up the Kidron Valley. Hey, Daryl, yeah. how tall was the wall? Like in feet, because I, 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 I don't know. I was just curious. I, I, I didn't see any okay, that's reference fine. to elevation anywhere. That's, that's fine. I did see a place where it says in many places is like eight feet wide. Okay. So. <coughs> okay, looking at verses 26 and 27. And the temple servants living in Ophel made repairs as far as the front of the water gate toward the east and the projecting tower. And after him, the Tekoites repaired another section in front of the great projecting tower and as far as the wall of Ophel. So we have temple servants who lived in Ophel. Well, Ophel was like a, a little part of Jerusalem. It wasn't another town. Um, and so they're, they live there and they're, they're making repairs close to where they live. Um, again, it mentions the men of Tico also working this area. They're doing a second section. They also, back in verse 5, were mentioned as they're looking at their first section. <clears throat> so oh, what is Ophel? Um, as best as I could find from the commentaries, it was kind of a knob or a hill just south of the temple. So the temple was considered to be on Mount Zion or Mount Moriah. And so this is kind of like a little mound uh, just south of it. And it's mentioned a couple places. Let's go back to Second Chronicles. In chapter 27. Get a little bit of history and geography here in the layout of the city. Uh, chapter 27, someone like to read verse 3 for us. Jotham rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord and did extensive work on the wall at the hill of Ophel. Okay, so he's working. This is Jotham. Um, he's building walls. Um, and it mentions the wall of Ophel. So it's possible this area had originally been outside the city wall and 
he extended the wall out around it. So he built in and, and built an extension onto the existing building. Um, that might explain some of the references to the corners and the angles, because if you have an existing wall and you build into it, you might have a, a T-shaped uh, junction there, which would be an angle or a corner. Um, also in Second Chronicles, let's turn to chapter 33. Someone would like to read verse 14 for us. 33.14 in Second Chronicles. Afterward, he built the outer wall of the city of David, west of Gihon, spring in the valley as far as the entrance of the fish gate, and encircling the hill of Ophid. He, he also made it much higher. He stationed military commanders in all the fortified cities in Judah. Okay, so here's Manasseh. He's also building around this area. So I'm not sure if Jotham built the first wall around Ophel or if it was Manasseh, but it mentions this wall. It's on the, it's west of the, uh, of Gihon, the spring that's in the bottom of the valley, which still puts it on the eastern side of Jerusalem. And it says he made the wall very high. So he's, he's busy uh, fortifying the city. So it also has, uh, we have the mention of a projecting tower, verses 25, 26, and 27. So there's a tower here that is uh, pretty notable, at least to the, to the Jews, and that's part of the defenses that he's building on this side of the city. <clears throat> now verse 26 does mention the water gate, <laughs> not to be... Confused with <laughs> Nixon's uh, famous Watergate. <coughs> um, so this is the first gate we've got gotten to since the Fountain Gate way back in verse 16. Uh, the Watergate. So, you know, we just mentioned, you know, the Wall of Ophel being west of the Spring of Gihon. So... The water gate probably was a gate so people could go out of the city down to the spring and get water. So these, these gates, were a, lot, a lot of them were named after their function. Go to the water gate. Well, you go out the water gate to get water. Again, we talk about the sheep gate. That's where they brought the sheep in. Uh, and the refuse gate. So as you begin to kind of understand that the arrangement of the city and the function and where the springs and things were, these the names of the gates start to make sense. You can almost figure out, well, I know where that gate is because this is its name. Okay. So that was a gate to go down and get water. Okay, let's go on to verses 28 through 30. It is definitely my goal to get through this chapter today. <laughs> Uh, 28 through 30 above, above the horse gate the priests carried out repair each in front of his own house after them Zadok the son of Immer carried out repairs in front of his house and after him Shemaiah the son of Shechaniah the keeper of the east gate carried out repairs after him Hananiah the son of Shelemiah and Hanum the sixth son of Zalaf repaired another section after him Meshulalam 
the son of Berechiah, carried out repairs in front of his own quarters. <coughs> so in this section we have priests and then others associated with the temple making repairs, many of them again in front of their houses, by the, by where their houses are. Um, it mentions the horse gate. And the commentaries say this is probably just south of the temple. And that's where uh, Solomon and David built their palaces. So, you know, they're coming again. They're coming up the east side of the valley. They're, again, they're south of the temple. They haven't gotten to the temple yet. The horse gate is probably the access into the palace area and the main government area. So they could get, again, when they're going in and out riding horses, they have to come through that gate. Um, it is mentioned back in 2 Kings chapter 11. This is the story of Athaliah. Athaliah was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Remember from the, yeah, the, the bad king and queen of Israel, Israel, the northern kingdom. So this was their daughter. She had married one of the kings of Judah. So we had intermarriage between the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. When her husband died, she murdered all the king's sons and took over control of the southern kingdom of Judah. So if you remember a few years ago on Mother's Day, I covered this. <laughs> I talked about good mothers and bad mothers. This was a very bad mother. Genetic. <laughs> yeah. So, 2 Kings uh, chapter 11, would someone like to read verses 12 through 16? Jehoiada, Jehoiada brought out the king's son and put the crown on him. He presented him with a copy of the covenant and proclaimed him king. They appointed him, and the people clapped their hands and shouted, Long live the king! Through 16, please. When Athaliah heard the noise made by the guards and the people, she went to the people. She went to the people at the temple of the Lord. She looked, and there was the king standing by the pillar, as the custom was. The officers and the trumpeters were beside the king, and all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. Then Athaliah tore her robes and called out, "Treason! Treason!" <clears throat> Jehoiada the priest ordered the commanders of units of a hundred who were in charge of the troops bring her out between the ranks and put to the sword anyone who follows her for the priest had said she must not be put to death in the temple of the Lord so they seized her as she reached the palace where the horses or they seized her as she reached the place where the horses entered the palace grounds and there she was put to death. Okay, there's a parallel passage in, in um, Second Chronicles, and where it says at where the horse's entrance, it calls it the horse horse gate. <coughs> so she killed all the king's sons except one. This is a young one. The nurse grabbed him and escaped, and he was raised by Jehoiada, the high priest, and then. They basically regained the throne for a, a, a legal uh, descendant. And she was put to death at the horse's gate. 
So it is mentioned, and mentioned in connection with a very strange story from the history of Israel, of Judah. <clears throat> now as we're going up the, again, up the eastern side, and getting, we're getting up north to the temple, and we're, there's a couple gates here uh, that might be where Jesus entered on the, during the triumphal entry. You know, we've gone, you know, the Kidron Valley is a steep valley. We, we haven't had any gates, not just because they moved the wall up the hill, but also because it was such a steep hill. There weren't any roads going into the city, so there's no need for a gate. <coughs> um, now, in verse 29, we have an interesting uh, thing. It talks about Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, carried out repairs. There's a little bit of uh, discussion about the east gate, whether it was actually in the outer wall or whether it was part of the um, inner walls around the temple complex. If you remember right, they had the temple and they had the walls around them um, within you know, a couple of hundred cubits or whatever, <laughs> and that there was an east gate. And so he was the keep. It's generally thought that he was the keeper of the east gate within the temple. And the East Gate's not part of the outer defenses. Um, but he was associated with that inner gate. Um, and again, most of the people are making repairs um, in front of their own houses. <coughs> if you go online and, and look, at, look for Jerusalem and city gates, most of the gates and the walls that are there today were built probably in the 10th, 11th century by the Muslims when they took over the uh, city. And there, there is an east gate, it's also called the Golden Gate, and it's blocked shut. So it's all been filled up with blocks. And one of my sources said it's because prophecies say the Messiah will come through the east gate back into the city and the Muslims would block the gate so we couldn't get in. <laughs> I don't know how accurate that is, but that's one of the sources or one of the stories. So, yes. Who paid for all of this? Were these individual groups and or persons responsible for financing what section they did out of their own pocket? If no... I don't know. Most of it was labor. Most of it was just labor. Um, there, was, there was a lot of rubble, a lot of old stones and rocks around. Um, that's part of what, when, when you get into chapter 4, we read one of the um, oh, things that Sandballot said, can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned stone? So he was ridiculing them by reusing the old stones. So they had a, quite a bit of material. And, and uh, uh, Artaxerxes had given Nehemiah a letter to the keeper of the forest to provide timber for the gates. So there may not have been a lot of monetary expense, mostly just plain labor. <laughs> okay, 31 through 32. Final section. And after him, Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, carried out repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants in front of the inspection gate and as far as the upper room of the corner. 
and between the upper room of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants carried out repairs. So this is that final section all the way back up to the sheep gate where we started uh, back in verse 1. And the workers here are goldsmiths and merchants. We'd already mentioned earlier there was one that mentioned goldsmiths and perfumers. So here's some of the business people. You know, they, they need protection too. Um, and so they wanted the walls rebuilt. Um, and they do the, again, right, kind of just to the, it would be just on the east side of the uh, temple complex, we have the inspection gate. Why would it be called inspection gate? It's because this is where people who are bringing their own animals in for sacrifice had to stop and have them inspected by the priest to make sure they were free of any blemish. So again, the gate's named after the f- function that took place there. My translation says muster. Yeah. Muster? Muster gate. Muster gate. gate? Okay. Well, then I have no idea why they would call it a muster yeah. gate. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting word. <laughs> Unless that's the military term or something like that. Yeah, muster for inspection. That could be, yeah. So that was an idea. Um, This chapter does not mention Nehemiah. It does not mention God. So the whole emphasis here is on the people, on the work they did. You know, it's an example of people doing hard physical labor in order to accomplish God's purpose. We also see the spirit of cooperation and enthusiasm as they worked together to accomplish this task. We have people from lots of different cities working together, uh, from different towns. They would not benefit directly from the wall because they would not, they're too far away necessarily to benefit from this wall. But it was the city of their God and they wanted it to honor him and not be a disgrace to him. So they came and they worked together. Okay, so we need to close there. Um, Russ, would you like to close in prayer for us? Father, we're ever thankful for your word and the history that you have uh, presented to us and, and the wise uh, the things that had to be done. Father, we also pray now for the people that are becoming to service this morning, that you'll be with them, watch over them, put a hedge of thorns around them to protect them. And we just ask that they come slowly. And and if they're not comfortable, please have them stay home. We pray for the hour to come, Lord. Be with the pastor as he presents your word. Through your son Christ, we pray. Amen.